0: Once again, it's the Upgraded Life Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nick Sotello. And in today's episode, I'm going to bring you Michelle Miller. She's on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast. She is a actress by rights. She is a public speaking coach, and she has a new podcast. And I found her on Instagram. The way that she delivers content really caught my eye. And the fact that she is a fellow podcaster also made her near and dear to my heart. Her project is called, her podcast is called Mentors on the Mic. With her podcast, she is bringing on mentors from the film industry that will bring insight, wisdom, and experience on how they make it in the film industry so that the listeners can also tap into that wisdom knowledge and experience it's a great concept i love what she has going on so enough of this let's get to it it's me michelle miller the upgraded life podcast buckle in let's go for a ride hello thanks for tuning into the upgraded life podcast i'm your host dr nick Sotello. The Upgraded Life is my personal project where I help people realize and reach their potential. I've been a professional helper for 20 years. Here's what I'm convinced of. The life that you have right now and the life that you want tomorrow is a product of your personal mindset, mission, and movement. Each episode of the Upgraded Life podcast is going to give you something that you can do as soon as the episode is over to upgrade your personal mindset. Your mindset informs your mission. Your mission tells you how to move every single day. And together, that is The Upgraded Life. All right. I am here with Michelle Miller and another great episode of The Upgraded Life podcast. Michelle and I met briefly through Instagram. I tell you, that's one of my secrets. I go through Instagram and I see people that are putting up good content, content with depth, and I'll reach out to them and I'll say, hey, you know, make some kind of connection point. If it works out to invite them on the show, then it works out. And that's how I met uh, Michelle Miller, and I'm super excited about that. She's also a podcaster, has just recently launched a podcast called Mentors on the Mic. I took in the first show with Stan Brooks. It was awesome. So great job on your first podcast. But Michelle Miller is an actress in her own right, and she has um, several things to, to add to her credentials in terms of the things that she's done and the ventures that she's been on but for me I'm most excited about the fact that you've been on, uh, that you've launched a podcast so thank you so much for coming on the show catch us up tell us what you've been doing in your life as an actress so I don't get that completely wrong <laughs>
1: Sure. No, you're great. Thank you so much for having me. This is fantastic. I love your podcast. Um, I have been an actress pretty much my entire life. I think I started taking drama class at six or seven. And I was like, this is what I meant to do. <laughs> and uh, I graduated college. I think growing up, I did mostly school shows and camp stuff, but I was also in an off-Broadway show when I was a kid. And I was also on the Rosie O'Donnell show for a couple episodes. Oh, wow. And then when I graduated, yeah, it was, it was really fun. She was great. A lot of free swag at her show. And, uh, when I graduated, I was like, okay, now I'm back to New York cause I'm from here. And, um, you know, I'm going to do it. And I started, you know, hit the ground running and did a lot of uh, independent films, short films, low budget films. And then finally, I was in, you know, a feature film with Russell Crowe and Will Smith called uh, Winter's Tale. And then I was on Blue Bloods, mm-hmm. this TV show in New York that films in New York and Homeland, which was fantastic. I wanted to get on that show for a while. It was one of my favorites. Yeah. I was also a lead in an episode of MTV's uh, One Bad Choice, which is a fantastic series series of episodes all about, based on true stories about people who made bad choices mm-hmm. and uh, things we can learn from them.
0: Nice. Yeah. yeah. I've got <clears throat> 20 years in youth correction, so I know all kinds of stories.
1: Oh, about bad yes. You probably know some of these stories.
0: <laughs> yeah, I might. And um, <clears throat> MTV, actually, I, I missed my opportunity to be on a a uh, show with them about how we were working with the youth in this whole pandemic COVID-19 scenario oh. as well. And by the time <clears throat> I responded to our communications manager, somebody else in another facility got, got it. And I was like, dang it. <laughs> it <was> my- <laughs> oh,
1: maybe reach out to them again and say, Hey, if there's something else you're working on, I'd love <clears throat> to, that's, that's really cool though.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I missed my 15 minutes of fame.
1: <laughs> you know, it'll come back around. They always do.
0: So you've since you were a little girl, had your sight set on i'm, I'm going to be uh, in theater I'm going to be an actress
1: yeah exactly i i I think I remember the moment that I realized i think I'm, I don't remember the exact age It was around six or seven, but I remember where I was I was in elementary school, and I had this realization, oh, we can do this as a career, like this is it like I instinctively knew this is what I needed to do as a career
0: that's pretty amazing. Yeah. there's a lot of people that um you know, can tell that story, you know, where they, they caught a vision for something in their younger years and they're here. They are in their adult life, making it happen. You also run into people that maybe they aren't so satisfied with what they're doing in their here and now life. And I'll ask them like, what, what were your dreams when you were little and what happened to them? And that can often be the source of a lot of things for people to sift through and dig through to figure out how they got to where they're at. So yeah, it's interesting. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, both sides are good. I mean, I was talking about this with someone else the other day. There's something nice about having this one dream and having it carry you through Mm -hmm. everything and, you know, turn it from, you know, it was initially a hobby that I did all the time as a kid and, you know, grew to be a career. So that was an interesting transition. But then there are a lot of people where they'll start with one dream and, you know, in in true fashion, they'll upgrade it and Mm -hmm. they'll evolve it to something else. And maybe the aspects of one dream led them to, you know, end up going, choosing a different path, but there's some correlation or there's, some, you know, they're, you know, helping each other can be sure. a theme or being with kids is a theme. So it'll, it'll be
0: upgraded. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah, Thanks for the plug. So, yeah. uh, Michelle, how, how old are you now? I'm 30, 30. Okay. Yeah. I'm 43. So I'm a, a little bit ahead of you there as far as that goes. So, and yeah. so, 20, roughly 24, 25 years in, in showbiz then if he started at six.
1: Yeah. You know, it's hard to think of it like that because I think, like I said, the first few years were just up until second grade, which is when I was in the Rosie O'Donnell show. It was just all like choirs and, and plays and class shows and, you know, play at the end of the year kind of thing with drama club. Uh, And then after a while, I feel like, yeah, more professional, but yeah.
0: So how did you find your way on the Rosie O'Donnell show? That's, that's fascinating to me. I
1: got re- really lucky. You know, um, my drama teacher in, in elementary school, she picked maybe like eight or nine people to be, you know, in the whole school, different ages to be on the show. And we didn't really know what we were doing. Um, and uh, I was on two episodes. One was, I think, the Oscars of 96. We were doing like little, little takes or little skits about the Best Picture nominees and then shortly after was her birthday episode. I want to find this footage, by the way. This is like on my to-do list. I have it on VHS somewhere in my mom's <laughs> apartment. But uh, I really want to find, I, th- I think I tried looking for a while and I couldn't find it. It'll show up one day. Yeah. But it was like me just like with a bunch of kids lip syncing, you know, a song for her birthday. <laughs> um, but we were able to go to her studio. And like I said, the free swag. And we got pictures with her and she was really nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you definitely yeah. have it. Uh, lots of memories from that definitely was. A I do.
1: Yeah. Considering I was, you know, in second grade, what is that? Like seven? You yeah. know, it's pretty young.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You light up when you talk about it. Um, what, what's one of the things that you I mean, what's one of the biggest lessons learned so far? Ooh,
1: man. Ah, man. Um, I've learned so many. I, I really have. You know, it's been a. It's been, you know, this career teaches you a lot right away. I think one thing, and I'll probably talk about it a little bit later, but as well. But um, one thing is that you know, I, I think for a long time, I really felt like you know, to be successful as an actress, I had to be very goal driven, goal oriented, and think, okay, this is what I have to do. I can't do anything else. Like, I can do other things to sustain me financially, but you know, as a, as a person, I could only work on my acting in order to make it or in order to be successful. And I think after some time, it really like, I had to learn the lesson that, it's important to do other things you love and it's important to explore other avenues. And it doesn't mean I'm no longer an actress if I now, for example, start a podcast right. or if I yeah. now, you know, do this or if I explore this career path, it doesn't mean I stop being one thing. I still have an agent. I still have an audition due today at 3 p.m. You know, I still have all these things in my life, but um, I could be other things. And uh, I think that was really important for me to learn.
0: So were you feeling some of that slip away then like you were so just you know actress or nothing and other parts of your yeah. life were suffering?
1: There was something yeah there was something about the fact that like yeah no honestly 100% there was there was something about my my mindset to be honest of what I felt like you know in order to make it I have to I had to really just focus on one thing and I remember that really even affected my dating life I I remember my mom kind of having this you know like conversation with me, which was like, you're not really dating. Like you go on a couple dates here and there, but you're not, is that like something you're you know, doing on purpose? And I was like, I'm not doing it on purpose. I'm just so focused on my career and my acting and what this means and meeting people in the industry and filming stuff and making my own stuff. Not quite as much as I could have, but, you know, trying to find an agent or trying to find the next agent or the next manager. And I said, you know, I don't really have time to date. And she said, you know, and I said to her, like, I'll date after I've become successful at this. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you can't look at your life that like everything has to be on hold until you get that one thing. She's like, all those can exist within one person. And I noticed that even how I felt about acting was suffering because of how much pressure I put on it. Because mm-hmm. if you're really, you know, making your whole life focus one thing, it, 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 Uh, it's almost, it's detrimental to that one thing. It becomes like almost like a chokehold. And uh, I felt like, you know, it'd make, like if I spent, you know, a year trying to get the good auditions, right, whatever that means, TV, film, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And then I finally get one, you know, of course my, like I would, my, my cheeks would shake. Like I would twitch. I would just be so nervous because I had spent my whole life trying to be an actress And, you know, making my resume, getting my website in order, getting my acting reel in order, getting an agent, getting a manager, you know, me going to workshops, paying for stuff, not going to get my master's, not going to get a full-time job, all this stuff in the pursuit of this one thing. Mm -hmm. And even if my audition just had one line, I'd be so nervous. I would, (laughs) I would just, I forget the line. I'd like, and this is all very common for actors, but I think that that was just based on this one, you know, very like one goal oriented mindset and it would make my acting suffered. It would make my life as a person just harder because I wouldn't do anything else that I felt like would take away from my acting, Mm -hmm. whatever that meant.
0: Sure. Yeah. When you said your, your cheek was shaking, I, oh god, I had a, yeah. a similar experience. So when you said that I I had an actual like yeah, I know what that feels like. And it came when I was defending my doctoral dissertation. That'll do it. And I got asked yeah. I got asked that stumper question, you know, and I was like, "Oh my god." And I could feel my 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 shaking. Yeah. So I I get yeah. that that pressure, you know, this whole build up to this one moment and and here we are. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually do. Um, I, I teach now public speaking because of that, that feeling that I feel. Well, so first of all, public speaking is the number one fear in the world, mm. right? So it people are more afraid, afraid of public speaking than they are of dying, which is <laughs> right. insane. Right. It's true, but yeah. it, statistically, that's true. Yeah. We have the same physiological symptoms of fight or flight response when we're about to speak in front of people mm. than we are like about to be, you know, hit by a bus or, or chased by a tiger. So, you know, yeah, it's insane. So I think that my acting skills and, and going through that has helped me sort of form um, a way of dealing with those nerves and, you know, over time, like being able to, talk to my body and calm my body, calm my mind and I have all these tools now and so now I teach them and I work for a company called Energize Your Voice and we teach communication skills and that's stuff that I work with clients now.
0: And that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Pub- public speaking. And uh I can't remember when it was. It was must have been for me right after my first round of graduate school. So I would have been late 20s and I think it was I think it was a Dale Carnegie book about how to be a public speaker. Public oh
1: speaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: right.
1: Yeah, um, I've re- I've read his books. He's yeah. great.
0: And the biggest tip in there that he gives is never turn down an opportunity to speak. Mm, and so I've it's done true. that. I've done that. And, Good. You know, within within kind of my world and in, in psychology and counseling and in youth corrections, I'll get I'll field requests all the time. Hey, can you come talk about this? And I'll be sure. You know, oh crap! I got to research like you. <laughs> yeah. What's the latest on this topic? You say
1: yes, and then you figure it out. Yep.
0: <laughs> absolutely. And, but it's good.
1: Uh, have you feel? Have you felt like that practice has helped?
0: Oh, absolutely! Yeah. I mean, it's I good. did a lot of. I, yeah. You know, I have twenty years in state government too, and there was a big section of it where I was basically a uh, trainer and teacher for adults. And so that's where I really kind of honed my craft, so to speak, of being able to get in yeah. front of an audience and carry learning a- objectives and be entertaining for, for hours on end. And I used to teach, um, night school for, for counseling students and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the kind mm-hmm. of the truncated format. And so three to five hours a night with me, oh my goodness. <laughs> so,
1: oh uh, yeah. yeah, that'll do it.
0: Yeah. So I've done That's I've done good. quite a bit of speaking uh but I definitely yeah. can relate to uh the
1: initial right <laughs> yeah no it, it 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 messes with you too like especially as someone I'd been acting all of my life right it wasn't like I just started you know a few years ago so you know I'd auditioned for countless things like since I was 5 or 6 you know you'd think that you know graduating at 20 you know 1 or whatever from college and now starting the real world or the industry or whatever that I it would be fine and you know it was only for like the low budget films, the student films, all that stuff I felt fine with, you know, it was like an appropriate amount of nerves. And it was the big stuff, the TV shows, the film roles, it took me a while to get to a place where my nerves wouldn't get the best of me, Mm -hmm. you know, that I would have more control and more, you know, um, agency over them.
0: Yeah. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you you definitely are in the know, but you know, for people who do have a fear of being in front of other people and, and performing and public speaking is that that total sense of, of fear, the butterfly, so to speak, it doesn't 100% go away, right?
1: Yeah. It doesn't. No, I think that they're, I mean, I've heard Meryl Streep gets nervous. I don't know if it's true or not, but I, I believe it. I've heard, you know, other major actors get nervous. I've heard other major actors sometimes have never seen their, their films. Right. Like they'll just, they'll do they'll it and they'll it. never right. see it. They'll never see the preview. You know, in fact, I think Adam Driver, I remember a few months ago, he, it was, it was like uh trending on Twitter. He walked out in an interview because, because he had told them, I do not like seeing clips of my show. So if you're going to play it, just make sure I don't see it. And they played it for him. And so he got to watch it. and he was like, he walked out. He was like, that's just too, it'll just, it'll just be too difficult for him. So a lot of actors are like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to your question. Yeah. I feel like, um, what was the question again? Cause well, now it's the I'm reality just, that it, it never that. really
0: goes away. You just learn how to, yes. to manage and overcome it and actually harness it as energy. Exactly.
1: Right. That's the best part. It, you exactly said it right. And um, it's harnessing that energy and, mm-hmm. and also just, you know, thinking to yourself, just like calling it a different name. Mm-hmm. So if we, if we just focus on the fact that it's nerves, then, you know, we're just going to get you know, perpetuate that momentum and just right. c- continue getting nervous. But if we change it and just relabel it like excitement, for instance, mm-hmm. and you think of it as energy, right? I'm using that energy. I sometimes actually have to do tool, uh, have to do techniques where I like redistribute the energy in my body. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't know if you ever do this, but it sometimes just, it, it kind of crumples in like my chest, sometimes my throat. And unless I like redistribute it, physically like i'll just like shake out my body or i'll like dance around to music or something i might i need to like almost redistribute that energy so it's not just all right here i feel it everywhere i feel it in my toes i feel it in my fingers and i take it as a blessing now i'm like oh great thank you for this excitement that i'm receiving because you know it makes my work better
0: absolutely yeah no I, i love that well, thanks for confirming what you hear, right. In terms of, you know, that this never yeah. really goes away. Um, nope. I know in counseling, I, I teach my students that if you're, you know, if you're working with somebody who has a, you know, kind of a life history of anxiety or depression or whatever the thing is, is chances are that there's, it's in their DNA. It's part of how they're wired. Right. Yeah. And you can't set up a goal to say, well, you're going to get rid of that hundred percent because right. if, it, if it's a pattern that they've had for years and decades, or if it's really just how they are physically wired um, they're going to have little bits of it. It's going to show up. Right. But it's, yeah. How do you move on? How, how do you, how do you carry on with the task at hand even when that thing shows up, whatever we're, we're calling it, anxiety, depression, fear, yeah. phobia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: So, for you, starting out in your career, I heard you say, you know, that w- when I'm successful, when I when I make when I make it, when I made it, um, what was what was that originally? Like how? What was your marker for being successful, or, or how were, were you going to know when you made it?
1: That's a really good question because I think that changes over time, right? right? So I imagine that my initial goal would have been completely over. You know, it would have been changed. It would have been elevated. I think that in my head, it was like getting to like movie star status, getting to a place where auditions, I I didn't have to audition anymore that things were offered to me, which was great to have goals like that, but also like realistically that won't happen as quickly as I thought it would. And I I remember, like, here's just an example. Like, I remember at 22 or 23, I was talking to a friend who was also an actor. And she said to me, is, you know, have you and your parents had a conversation where at some point you'll stop? You know, like, she's like, I had to talk to my family and say at like 28, if, you know, things don't happen, I'll stop. And I looked at her and I was like, oh my God, at 28, (laughs) oh God, I'm going to be huge by 28. Like, it just didn't even occur to me that I wouldn't, which I thought was needed. I thought I needed that mindset and um you know i think i think that's what i felt i felt like and now it, and that's changed over time you know now it's not that i don't think that'll happen for me that's just not my goal and that's not my marker for success anymore i want to be a working actress who makes money from acting who continuously works who gets to be on different sets or gets mm-hmm. to be on one set and develop a character i think that would be my my that's my goal right now is to be on a show consistently and um and make money consistently from this so that's yeah my new marker
0: and now there's there's so many more ways to quote unquote be on a show now isn't there
1: yeah you know streaming now it's there's so many platforms (laughs) right you know i uh right now there's like a new app that's essentially a streaming platform quibi i think it's called i haven't watched it i haven't looked into it yet but you know i know people have developed shows on that and you know Celebrities are now putting shows up on that. You know, it's and it's on your phone. Like it's just super simple. So, you know, it's constantly evolving and and uh and increasing. Yeah. So that's great for us actors. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All the streaming platforms are 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 trying to get a piece of that pie, aren't they? Doing their own production. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yes. And you know, I'm curious how it's gonna change now with, with COVID and just what's able to film and what you know, smaller sets will probably have a better ability to, to adjust to all this. So
0: I'm curious, I'm curious how it's going to happen. Tail end of your talk with uh, Mr. Brooks there about having to go to Canada, because maybe they had different restrictions. And I just didn't, I just see across the wire that Tom Cruise in, in France or whatever they're gonna they're not gonna make him go through the quarantine process so that way you oh, can
1: oh i didn't read that, I no. just saw that. Yeah. See, there you go i mean there's there's different solutions to it. I think I might have mentioned it in Stan's episode or if it was another one, but I heard um like Tyler Perry knows another one it's it's one that's coming out next week but um Tyler Perry, I think because he has his own studio that he has his own like almost like a campus right he's able to. Um, house his crew and his cast for a period of time while they film. So he can quarantine them. They come in, they've taken their COVID test, they're all, you know, fine, they're all negative, and then they work and they're not allowed to go home and see wow. their family for whatever period three weeks, however long. And uh, that's their way of dealing with it. Right. So everyone has their own. Um, Yeah. So next week is, uh, you know, it'll be episode three. So Michael Pitt, he's a production manager on for TV and film. And he was talking about how he hopes to resume his show at some point because they're still new. Um, I think he's doing the Gilded Age, which was the same creator of Downton Abbey. And uh, it's a new show. So they're still sort of figuring it out. And he said a lot of it's going to be dependent on other people trying, you know, trying things out and then reporting to everyone else. This worked. This didn't work. You know, I recommend doing this when you open back up. Um, so he said the community seems to be wanting to work together and, and helping each other. So that's good.
0: Yeah. Fun yeah. stuff. Michelle, who's somebody that you look up to in your industry? Like, who, who do you try to emulate or model your life after?
1: Oh, this is hard. I, there's a lot, you know, it depends. Like I, you know, I look at people like Jessica Chastain, who always chooses fantastic films, in my opinion. So I'll look up to her with that. I'll look, I'll look at her choices and be like, wow, that's, you know, I really admire that. And I want to be able to be at a place where I can choose films like that. They're very smart. They're very intelligent. They're very female driven. And I love that. Um as an actor i 've heard amazing things from Adam Driver, so the people who worked with Adam Driver always have the best things to say about his work ethic and how he works and how he elevates everyone else's performance because he 's so present he 's so dropped down, and everyone feels like they're better actors around him and I just think that 's the best feedback you can get that sure. he 's so good at what he does that he makes you feel Absolutely. like you've you 've upgraded and you've you 've um upleveled yourself so mm-hmm those are people that I look up to in terms of acting in terms of choices and movies and stuff. So, yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And have you interacted with either one of them?
1: Not yet, but I keep, I keep bringing them up so that uh, I put right. that good energy out there. Yeah. Manifest yeah. that. Exactly.
0: <laughs> um so this is all making a lot of sense to me now too, with why perhaps you chose podcasting as another thing that you're going to do. Um, given, you know, your talent and just in general, but then your focus on helping people with public speaking. I mean, that obviously lends itself really well to the podcasting format. Um, but so walk me through that. Like, you know, how did you get into podcasting? What really kind of gave you the idea? And then what's your show all about?
1: Perfect. Thank you. Um so Oh, wow. I wanted to make a podcast for a long time. I will say that. I didn't know how I helped a couple other friends of mine make their podcast four years ago and it's very successful. I only helped within the first few episodes, but ever since I was like, I want to do this, but I didn't have the, I think confidence, but also, like I said, I was so focused on this, on acting that I was like, it's hard for me to imagine doing anything else, putting my energy anywhere else. And uh, and that changed obviously, but uh, one thing, one reason it changed was uh, the the pandemic. So when everything sort of (laughs) stopped and the whole industry stopped for the first time, right? Right. I think I had the first six weeks. I still had stuff actually. I had a couple auditions for things. I think I sent in an audition for Star Trek um, and a commercial. But then and then a bunch of things that were like open calls that casting directors were doing, and I was like, wow, all this. Pressure is off, right all this pressure I put on myself casting directors all of' what's left what 's there and I, for my college that I went to bring in alumni from my college. Uh, I was really excited about it, so my initial incentive so i made this I made this uh, panel for for the college that I went to, and I brought in alumni from from you know different parts of the industry, and I put them together, and I hosted it, and I had so much fun, oh, nice. you know I really enjoyed spending time talking to them about how they started and how they moved up. That was the topic of that initial panel. And I did it. And I just, first of all, had so much fun. I I felt like I was good at it. Like I enjoyed doing it. I got great feedback. And then I also thought to myself, I want to keep doing this and I want this to be available to more than just the people who were lucky enough to go to college or go to my college specifically. I wanted to be able to, to open up these, you know, interviews to people who I admire, to everyone. Um, And I, and I felt like I had this really great initial resource into the college I went to. Um, I also felt comfortable reaching out to people that I didn't know. Um, And I felt like this was the time. So now that I had the time because of the pandemic, I was like, okay, let me start figuring out how to do this podcast thing. And I reached out to a couple of friends of mine who did it. Um, my second episode uh, is about these two women who create who are also actresses. They're friends of mine. They created a podcast, you know, for fun. I mean, they also had their own purpose to it, but they created a podcast about Hallmark movies, just like right. their love of Hallmark movies. Yeah. And after a year, they ended up reaching out to the CEO of the Hallmark Channel and asking. Um, for just to be to collaborate, they're like, We've heard you're creating this podcast. We'd love to collaborate. We'd love to talk to you about our like what works for us, what hasn't worked for us. This is more information on us. They brought them in, fast forward a couple months, they are now the official podcast for the Hallmark channel. Wow. And Hearing that story. Yeah. And then what's even great is that the not only is that fantastic, right? They've been at the upfronts. They do all these major panels with all the different celebrities. They interview all the celebrities from Hallmark, you know, uh, on top of that, which is amazing in and of itself, they were given acting roles in, uh, in a Hallmark movie. They were wow. sent to, I think it was a <laughs> filming in Ohio and they were given, you know, these cute roles and they were able to record for their podcast on set which was really cool and uh so they did that they've had other collaborations since then and i watched them do this by the way and i was just in awe i was so inspired i was like here are these two girls they're living out this other dream that they they you know they just have such a passion for and instead of instead of replacing their acting career there were no it's not that they were no longer actors they were actors and podcast hosts Um, and I watched that. And I told everyone that story. I was like, "Look, they got acting roles. They got this. They're they're doing this. They're getting to do this. They are now getting more, you know, consistent income. They don't have to do all those other jobs. You know, they like get just. It was so inspiring. And I was like, I can do that too. I can figure out how to do something like that too. Sure. And I can be an actress and this and be proud of that. So, uh, so I think that was my initial inspiration for creating my own podcast both those things
0: yeah I love that story yeah Um, yeah and this podcast kind of has a pandemic flair to it as well you know I started September of 19 I think is when I recorded my first podcast and kind of what held me back was the whole like I'm not afraid of technology I just didn't fly I flat out didn't know like what it would take you know there's
1: so much to (laughs) it yeah there's so many different aspects, you know, there's the hosting, there's the recording, there's the, you know, there's the editing. It's a lot.
0: So I can't go on. Sorry. And so, I mean, I, you know, the, the platform I'm using is anchor for hosting and you know, it, it, if I had to do it all over again, who knows what I would choose, but they bill it as as simple as all you need is your cell phone and a pair of earbuds. And that's exactly what I did for my first, (laughs) my first episode. And uh, yeah, sitting on my front deck and and I kind of put it on the shelf for a little bit because again, I knew that wasn't going to be what was going to make this project legitimate in terms of a podcast. And mm. um, so, kind of right around January, goals for two, you know twenty twenty and all that jazz. And I decided I was going to give this some real effort and real wind. And then the pandemic hit, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Mm. <laughs> you know. And uh, <clears throat> but luckily, I already had you know, a handful of episodes already uh, posted and I had a handful in production. So I was able to kind of ride some of that momentum, but I think it was in March, March and April where, you know, I just kind of bagged out on some of the interviews and vice versa. People were saying, look, I I just, I can't do it. And I totally understand it. I
1: don't know what's, going on with my schedule right now
0: (laughs) yeah um but at some point it was like you know what i gotta keep moving on and i just pushed pushed through a lot of that and um you know if if i could show you my stats um i think in april and may there was just a huge spike in in downloads and plays and i think it's because people were stuck right and you know that's
1: yeah yeah (laughs) i agree i mean i think that. That's the exact time for, I'm glad you had content out during yeah, that time because, absolutely. you know, it's, that's, you're right. Everyone's indoors. They don't know what they're doing. And there's like this need for content.
0: Right. Absolutely. But now it's kind of, you know, uh, stabilized back there as well. But, um, um, so specifically though, mentors on the mic, uh, yeah. give, give us an, a, an insight around what, what that is for you and what it means to you and what you hope for it to, to become
1: yeah thank you. Um, yeah so mentors on the mic is is simply um you know an extension of what I did for that initial panel for the college I went to, so I really wanted to interview mentors in the entertainment network who um and 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 focus in on where they started and how they moved up. so I really was fascinated by this idea that there's so many roles in the entertainment industry we don't all know them or understand them or get an idea for them, and I really wanted to show people. This is how you would get into this. This is how you could get into this is someone's journey. I mean, everything in the entertainment industry, you know, it's not linear. There's no linear path, you know, for the most part, unless you're really in a corporate setting, there's no like, this is where you go. A lot of it's like we go this way and then we swerve this way. And I really wanted to get to know people and their stories. And I found them really interesting and they're also really helpful. I mean, there's something you really could get from any of these people. Okay. So, for example, the, you know, episode three, the production manager I was telling you for TV and film, I really didn't have a strong idea. There's so many people on set, mind you. I didn't have a, a strong idea of what is a production manager, what do mm-hmm. they do? So I really had to research it. And then he helped define it too and then he explained which was very interesting there's usually a specific path to becoming a production manager production managers are like high end people on set they 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 run the crew they hire all the department heads for the different you know makeup and hair transportation lighting they hire all those department heads they run it and then they organize the budget for everybody so they're really sort of supervising the whole manage the whole production and um for for large scale projects and so he um, was saying that the initial path to getting there is usually through like production. You really focus on production. Maybe you become a location manager. Maybe you know you do you PAing for a bit, and then you do this production. And so there's different roles you could take to becoming a production manager. He went, he was a production assistant for a while and then he went the directing track. So he mm-hmm. went, he was like a second, second assistant director, a second assistant director, a first assistant director. And he realized, you know, he made the crossover almost like a jump to production manager, which he said was difficult, you know, to, to do, but he was like, talking about his journey. And I thought to myself, even if someone didn't know that this position existed, the advice they're getting from this is so important. And I, as someone who's not going to be a production manager, still found so much, you know, value in listening to his advice and his story. And I was like, that's what this is for. It's for those people who are trying to either get in the industry or move up in the industry or evolve in their, in their role. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Awesome. And that word value, that was something when you were talking about, um, your friends that had the, now the official Hallmark podcast, right. Um, yeah. I'm a fledgling author. I've got several starts on several books. I need to get to, you know, finishing yeah. some of them, but w- one of the books on the wings is called guru speak. And if you listen mm. to the, you know, the personal development gurus, um, they leave these little snippets out there, these little sayings, these little quips, and there's a lot, they're always true, but they're also always very mysterious. Right Mm, and 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 one of them might one of them might sound like whatever you do always make sure you're providing value. Mm. Right, absolutely true, hundred percent true. What the hell does that mean? Right, (laughs) Right?
1: super vague.
0: (laughs) Right, Um, but those those gals from the that were doing their own on their own. Hey, we're just going to do a podcast about Hallmark shows. We're going to get into it. We're gonna we're gonna do as much research. They were they were providing value, right? that at some point in time somebody caught on to it and said, hey, we we instead of, you know, let's not compete with them anymore, let's bring them on. Right.
1: Right. And they were explaining to me, which was really interesting. There were other Hallmark podcasts out there that were probably more quote unquote successful with more subscribers, more followers, more engagement. But they offered something unique and just their, their approach to it, their relationship with it. Sure. And they said that that's, that was more appealing to the Hallmark channel in creating a podcast. Also, they had the balls to reach out to them. Right. So, you know, it was, a, it was a bunch of different things. Yeah. But it, it really was inspiring if you think yeah. about just, you know, not only what they were creating, but how they did it and how they, you know, what was unique to them was also great for Hallmark.
0: Sure. Yeah, and I've run across lots of folks that have a podcast, and much like you're doing, where they had an idea and a concept that was meaningful to them, but maybe they didn't know, maybe they weren't the expert on that, but how do you become an expert? Well, you bring the people on to your shows that are experts, one after another, after another, after another, and eventually you become the expert, but then you're also creating this tome. Uh, for everybody to tap into. And I think I've seen yeah. and heard lots of people that have done just that. So I, I hear that kind of behind yours as well.
1: Yeah. I, I I was really also inspired by, I don't know if you know Tim Ferriss. He does mm-hmm. a couple of really great podcasts, yeah. but um, he wrote this book called Tribe of Mentors, which believe it or not, is uh, the currently the book that my computer is resting on while I talk to you. It's a <laughs> Love pretty, it. Pretty big book. Love but it. But also I can constantly get the reminder. But, you know, in his intro, and I, I mentioned this in my trailer actually, mm-hmm. in his intro, he talks about how he created this one book, Tool Titans, huge success, and he was like, now what? He And he didn't know what his next thing was. He was intimidated by the success of that first project, I think. And he, you know, he talked about how there was so much he wants to know or he wanted to learn. And he decided to reach out to mentors. And that's where Tribe of Mentors came in. This this idea of, I have all these questions, let me ask other people who've done it before, who've gotten it right. And the whole book is just a series of interviews of different questions that he asked all these successful people that he admired. And I thought like, that's that sounds so great, you know, just to reaching out to other people and learning from them and their mistakes and what worked and what didn't work and understanding that there's so many failures that come with any sort of journey that we sometimes only look at the highlight reel, the success reel but there's so much failure that gets to that success and you can't have one without the other. Right. And so those type of things really inspired me.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I caught that in your trailer. I'm, I'm a big Tim Ferriss yeah. fan as well uh, me too. Four Hour work week. Um, you know, just yeah. a, almost a must read for anybody that's, uh, either in their entrepreneur journey or, or don't know where to start, doesn't know where to start. That's a, that's a great, uh, template of, of how to get going. So exactly. <clears throat> I was, I I love to listen to people and maybe you have a different opinion on it, but you know, I I hear people say, well, it's not really a four hour work week. That's just kind of a, you know, a, a catch. I'm like, No, I really think he's serious about that.
1: No, I think he's serious about that. I really do too. (laughs) I do too. No, I agree. I think that that's exactly how he he functions. um, And he just functions at a high level for those four hours. And I don't know if you ever take the time to like, it doesn't happen to me often, but whenever I do kind of, there's, there's this really great. Um, company or program or site called Cave Sessions. Have you ever heard of this? Mm -mm. It reminded me a lot of the four-hour work week because the idea behind it is, and I think they had like a whole sort of intro to it as well, but they give you a certain amount of time and they break it up into what's just statistically is very you know uh, good for us. So I think it's like 45 to 55 minute sessions. And what you do is you have these, let's say, four sessions or however long it is with little short breaks between. And you give yourself four tasks you want to mm-hmm. complete. And you spend, it's almost, I think it's right out of the four-hour work week to be honest, but like he re- you really spend so much focused energy and time on that one task and you're not allowed to look at your phone. Your phone's not even allowed to be on, on like near you. The idea behind it is even having your phone visible makes you a little more stupid and less sure. focused. Right. So just have it somewhere else, not within reach. You can't see it and be able to just focus on one task. You'll get a couple, you know, a few minute break in between stuff and then you have another task. And by the end of that cave session, the, the four tasks, the cave sessions, you're so pumped because you're like, I got so much done. And it's it's just amazing how much we can get done when we just focus on one thing, no distractions, no, oh, I have to do that. I have to check Facebook. I have to check Instagram, none of it. So I think it's right out of the four hour work week. To sure. be I, I agree with it. I do think it, it's a great yeah, idea. And Pat
0: Flynn talks about that too. I don't know if you know that name in terms of um familiar. If you don't, you should, and especially if you're yeah, look it up. going down your podcast route. But, uh, um, but he talks about that too. He he has several uh, free and paid uh, options for helping people launch their podcast, and that's mm-hmm. one of his exercises when you're trying to figure out, you know, what your show is going to be about, who who you're speaking to, why are you speaking to them, you know, and he you know just crank on it for forty minutes and then step away, right? And then
1: <laughs> great, yeah. No there I think there's I think there's a lot of studies about it yeah, uh, yeah I'll look them up for sure, but absolutely there's the there's yeah there's studies on how that that's really how our brain functions at its right. best,
0: yeah, it's also kind of similar to the whole method behind TED talks and where they yeah. they studied the the most memorable speeches um given throughout time and lo and behold they kind of hit that sweet spot of 12 to 15 minutes or 12 to 18 minutes so that's it. your yep. your most powerful TED talk is 14 minutes and and how wow. people really can't absorb more than that in any one um point in time chunk in time and then i was like oh crap when i was teaching you know for 6 hours at a time they only they lost that's me after lot. 20 minutes <laughs>
1: Well, it's interesting because there are moments, I don't know if you felt this way, but there are moments where I'm an audience member of someone who I really admire, who's speaking great, like just brilliant stuff. And I don't know when, if it's that 14 minute mark or whatever it is, but I'll look at the clock and I remember, and I'll, I'll, I'll be very present to it. And I'll be like, but I'm enjoying this person. Like Mm -hmm. I enjoy what he or she has to say. I think they're saying it very well. Um, Why do I feel the need for it to be like almost over? And I think that it comes from just this like subconscious idea of like, this is how much I'm able to take this in at at any given time.
0: Right. I'm sure it's got some bio evolutionary, you know, imprinting on us. Right. That if we, if we focus on something for more than 14 minutes, it means that we might get eaten by a tiger or something like that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. One focusing on one thing for too long definitely means we'll be eaten. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: Michelle, one one thing that I ask everybody that comes on the show, is what's their take on mindset and so I think you have a lot of different angles on this given your your own pursuit as an actress and all the things that you've had to overcome again I'm very intrigued by the work that you're doing with people who are wanting to get better at public speaking or or becoming a public speaker uh, first of all but so do what you can with it whatever angle you want to take on it but when you hear that term mindset what does that mean to you?
1: So mindset said for me is like your personal perspective, your unique perspective that's generated by our personal history, by, you know, experiences in our lives, by the people that have surrounded us. And, um, you know, it, it contributes to how we see the world. Right. And I've been doing a lot of research and and have read a lot about like the idea between fixed mindset and growth mindset. So I'm always trying to align myself with this idea of a growth mindset that we're always able to learn from ourselves. And and we're not just given like, uh, you know, a fixed amount of skills and talents and abilities and, and that's it. And there's no growing from it. I definitely feel like we're all allowed to grow, and I definitely look at any mistake or failures, quote unquote, that I've made to learn from it and and to grow. Hopefully, so that's that's how I see mindset. It's just the ability to look at different things and and you know try to be positive. I try to be growth minded, and uh, yeah,
0: perfect. I, that I, I love that. Yeah, a little yeah, a little nod to Carol Dweck there in her work, growth mindset. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. So let me kind of drill you a little bit further down. Right. So what does that mean for you specifically, Michelle, to, to stay positive? Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? And, um, to make that shift from seeing failures as something to learn from, like, what what does that actually look like and sound like if we were to, you know, follow you in your day-to-day basis?
1: You know, it's, Interesting, because I, I work on it every day. So it's not something I've mastered by any means. But what it entails is I learned at some point, and and maybe you know where it comes from, because you're really good at n- naming. Like <laughs> I forgot Carol Dweck's name. But now I'm like, yes, she's the one who I studied the, care- the growth and fixed mindset. Uh, but she, there was another thing I read where it's just like, I believe it's the amygdala in your brain will always look firstly, at the negative stuff around you, right? We're programmed to mostly look at negative. Right. So when I learned that, you know, and it's an evolutionary thing, you know, we need to look to make sure that no one's going to jump us in the street or a tiger's not going to jump out and kill us and eat right. us. So in order to sort of work on that, I've had to start reminding myself more of positive things that are going on. So that will entail like, um naming things that i'm grateful for yeah. naming things that i'm thankful for like right before i go to sleep sometimes when i wake up i try to start my day with some form of meditation Um, mostly it's, it's really me working on being present to my thoughts and Mm -hmm. what I'm personally based on, like I said, my personal history, my experiences, all that stuff, what are recurring thoughts that come to me in my mind? And then how are ways I can stop that and think about something else? Mm -hmm. So that means, for instance, you know, in terms of being positive, if I'm finding myself being negative to myself, I acknowledge, okay, I'm having these negative thoughts, stop it. I can do that. And I just start focusing on something else. And it doesn't always work, mind you. I'm still working on it. But it's getting a bit better sometimes where I'll notice like, you know, especially right before you go to sleep, you have that like sort of, you know, reel in your head of just all the things you want to do or things that bothered you. And I'll just try to like flush it out and then stop it you know so that that really helps me is is sort of remembering you know the positive things that are going on and and that's a choice i have to make consistently and i don't always remember to but it, i think about that amygdala that's like programmed to see the negative stuff around me and i have to actively fight that and change it so that the more i see positive stuff the more naturally i'll see more positive stuff so that's that's what i try to do
0: perfect love it and yeah so I, w- I will kind of leverage that a little bit. So we, you know, the one thing that I learned to say and what I repeat is your brain was really designed for one thing, which is to keep you alive. It's, it's, it's yes. main goal is survival. Um, in order to get, I talk about success and significance as what pe- people are after, whether they realize it or not, you, you have to have some modicum of personal success and then fulfillment in life comes from, using that success for the betterment of others. And that's where significance comes from. And yeah. n- neither of those things happen without you embracing the fear in your life. Mm. When your brain, God, I just you don't want that it.
1: clip. <laughs> I want that audio clip, man. That was gold right yeah. there. That should be its own audio clip. And then we all should just be able to play it at the beginning right. of our day.
0: Right. And so I would imagine, you know, the, whenever we entertain to do something new or different or scary or hard, your brain's going to tell you a million reasons why it won't work. And that's just to keep you safe and to keep you alive.
1: Yeah. And I noticed that with even podcasts or even just projects where I would be encouraged to make on my own, I would notice this dialogue in myself with like, well, how many podcasts don't go anywhere? How many films <laughs> short films that my friends do or web series don't go anywhere? you know why would I spend you know like a sh- average short film can be ten fifteen thousand dollars and you have to usually find that money yourself And I thought to myself, I haven't lo- like created a, a film or written something that I love as much as like that, that much to to generate that much income, know that those people are never going to get their money back probably. Right. And have it not go very far. And I was like, this is just so discouraging. I see examples all the time of things that aren't working. And I just sit down one day and think to myself, there are plenty of positive examples right. too. And I right. just am not focusing on it. And so right. I started focusing on things like my friends, the, the two girls from the Hallmark right. Channel. I started focusing on other people that I know that whatever they were doing, you know, ended up doing well. And I also remember that it's not always about the success that comes from it. You know, I thought about like, what would be my goal? You know, would it be helping that one or two people who like, I had a friend message me last night being like, thank you so much for showing your podcast. I learned this, 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 and this. Right. And I'm so inspired to make yeah. my film. And I was like, God, I didn't, you know, I've got that impact is so exciting for me. I, I think that I was so focused on my own success sure. that I forgot that how much I want to, like you said, be significant, and give back to people and make sure that other people are getting, you know, Advice and tools, things that I wish I learned when I was starting, things that I wish that I learned, that I'm learning now, you know, just all of that. So I think it's important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I had an experience um, last couple of weeks. Somebody I had on, I think it was episode 10, uh, Dr. Emmanuel Cherillion, Dr. Tank. He was on uh, an episode. And long story short, there was an opportunity to become uh, a board member for uh, education in the area that he lives in. I think he's over in, uh, Massachusetts or somewhere on the East coast. Um, and he's actually said, you know, before I come to, you know, interview in front of you, why don't you check out this podcast that I did with me? And so they did, they listened to it. And when he showed up, they said, y- you're in, we don't, we don't need to hear anything else. And I was like, I was like blown away.
1: Wow. You know, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's really great. That's great.
0: Right. So, I mean, I was like, okay,
1: you don't know know how, you don't know the effect that things like this will have. Right. Wow. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. I'd like to keep doing this stuff. Like not even just in my own podcast, you were asking me about goals. So, you know, definitely goals I have for this podcast are, you know, making an impact and helping even just that one or two people, learn about someone else's journey the way you know i i really i think for so long and i put it in my trailer and i and i mean it like i everyone was telling me get a mentor get sure. a mentor and i was like how do you do that how do you not only even get a mentor but sustain one like i had friends who like one of my really good friends super successful she has six mentors that she can name right now wow and i'd be like how do you keep them like how do you develop these long relationships with people where you're like i can refer to them as a mentor that's phenomenal yeah. and so part of this journey is just Figuring out, like, yeah, these these are mentors that I hopefully can call today, and then other people can as well. Like, you can sure. follow up with these people too, yeah. and have them become your mentor, you know, as well. So, it's just it's, that's such a good story, though, yeah. that they were able to, to get that from this,
0: right? Yeah. Wow. And there's a there's a mindset trap there too in trying to pursue mentors, meaning that you might tell yourself you meaning you, Michelle, or anybody that's, you know, thinking about mentors that people aren't really interested in you, that people, mm-hmm. you know, people won't have the time for you, you know, all these excuses that you're going to make about why you shouldn't even ask or why you shouldn't, why it's right. stupid to even kind of do that. But here, but here's the reality, at least the reality that I've experienced is that truly successful people, again, success to significance, um, they'd love to help other people out. They don't want to waste their time. Right. So you've got to be, you've got to be serious about whatever it is that you're, you're looking for. Right. But successful people that have made it that whatever it is that you look up to, that you aspire to, um, that are mentor material, they actually would love to be able to help somebody else out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree with that wholeheartedly, and I think you're right. I think it's important to have an intention going in to like what you want from people. I think that when I first thought of mentors, I thought that they were supposed to help me get ahead, and that they were supposed to introduce me to people. And sometimes they do, right? Sometimes you'll you'll meet someone and be like, "Yeah, I can totally hook you up with an agent. Let me see what I can do. I have a couple friends here. You know, here's some." Here's some relationships. But for the most part, there's so much other stuff that people can help with that you just have to be open to and have an idea for. And and that might just be kind of like what my podcast is, just hearing their story and hearing their advice and hearing what worked and what didn't work and hearing, oh, well, you know, this production manager went the assistant director route way. I didn't even know that was possible. I would enjoy that so much more than this, that what I'm currently doing. Let me see what I can do about making that jump. Um so things like that where I was like you know there's so much more to mentors than I originally thought. Um but you're right I think that I think people do like to talk about themselves and like to help out other people and you just have to have an idea of what to ask them.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Couple things on my mind. One is um if you're interested I can shoot over um, the roadmap that I used to kind of structure how to launch a podcast. And, you know, it's one of the, it is a, you know, full transparency. It is a, a an affiliate link, but the roadmap itself is hundred percent free and it was really helpful for me. Um, another thought that sure. I had, Michelle is, um, there my wife and I have a network marketing company and one of, one of our upline, if you understand that lingo, um, part of her dream for building her business was to be able to fund her husband's uh, dream to direct and, and, and produce his own movie. And they did it. And it's, and, and and now this, I believe I'm going to, I might get this a little bit wrong. um, But I think now that their younger daughter, like she's producing her movie now. So this whole concept of, of, you know, short films and do they go anywhere and and how do you do that and how do you invest the the money? Um, there's people that are kind of in my, um, you know, network that have done just that, um, self-funded projects and it's fun to cheer them on and see what they're doing and whatnot. And, uh, things that just weren't attainable, you know, probably not, you know, 10 years ago, you couldn't do this. Right. But, not, but now you it's can, true. and it's pretty amazing. So who knows, there yeah. may be a connection there for you. Um, yeah.
1: Thanks. Yeah.
0: So I'll, I'll shoot there. That next, sounds great. Uh, Kyler and Sandy Boudreaux are the names. Um, okay. that's something that you could, you could uh, Google, so to speak, and find uh, his film yeah. that you put out. So fun yeah, stuff. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. You never know where these connections are going to take you. Right. I mean, you said absolutely. yes to an the and yeah, here we are talking exactly. about all kinds of things, right? So
1: Exactly. I all right. Think. One
0: last thing before we, so we sure. sign off on this. So for people that are, they know that public speaking is something that's in front of them, but they're scared to death. Like, w- What are some of the you know, initial strategies that you would work with somebody who's, you know, like you said, they'd rather get hit by a train than <laughs> sit than have in to front do of a it. group and speak?
1: You know, there's there's different sort of tactics and there's different sort of actionable steps that we take depending on how much time we have before. Um, so some people are really nervous about like um, the things that like aren't planned, right? So they'll be like, I'm good with just being able to speak. What m- makes me nervous about public speaking is the question answer period at the end and mm-hmm. being thrown by a question. Mm-hmm. The, the idea of being thrown by a question I don't have an answer to, that makes me nervous. Then I'll work on maybe mental agility games Games, or I'll work on you know improvisational you know games where I'll be asking things off the cuff and getting people like relaxed in the idea that they can handle it and that there's tools for that. There's some people who are just nervous and are so apprehensive (laughs) about the actual public speaking part. Then I'll work with like different ways to calm the body, right? So there's different tactics. Um, I definitely like recommend bringing us centered and then in like activating. So what that means is definite meditation. I recommend body scans and I recommend sense meditations where you're just like very aware of each individual sense, right? You know, what you hear, what you see, what you smell, what you taste, what you're touching. Um, and that sort of brings us down into the presence and reminds us that like, our body doesn't have to take over us. We, we, we got this right. So that sort of initial relaxation, um, I walk them through that and I walk them how to do that maybe on a consistent basis so that overall they feel less nervous. That's helped me a lot, my meditation practice, but then also right before I'll talk about activating techniques, so different ways that some people and, and it's different for different people. So we'll try different things. But how do we, like we talked about earlier, activate that energy so it's not just stuck somewhere? Because sure. sometimes you'll see people talk and they'll get really caught up and they'll have something in their throat and they'll just be like, yeah, My throat gets very like like all of a sudden i will just like choke on my words and I'll be like, Yeah, because this is your, you know, if you think about like if you think about um what's it called? Like different uh, chakras. If you think about that, for instance, this is all the throats, the communication, right? So we're all, you know, just if if you're getting it caught in your throat, that that's a nervous tick that we can sometimes have. So how do we redistribute that energy so it's all over and not just being blocked in one place? So those are, those are different things I work on with clients, depending on their specific need and what works for them.
0: Sure. That, that's yeah. really, really what came through is that part of what, what I heard is that it's going to be individual to the person, right? And kind of really
1: it fleshing is. out
0: what is it that you're afraid of and let's work on that thing. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Um, Michelle, thank you so much for your time. Where can people find you, connect with you, give us all your links, tell us uh, how people can find you out there.
1: Yeah, so um you can find me on Instagram either either at mentors on the mic or Michelle Simone Miller. That's my personal Instagram. I'm also available on Twitter, Michelle Simone M and Mentors on the Mic. And my podcast is available at all major podcast platforms. you have Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. I'm creating a list and I'm learning all the different uh, places that you can one one might listen to a podcast. Uh, and also I have my website, Michelle Simone so if you ever want to see some of the work I've done or clips of my, you know, videos, then you can check it out there.
0: Absolutely. And I encourage folks to go listen, support Michelle and her podcast, Mentors on the Mic. But most importantly, go over and leave her a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's important for us podcasters to have that kind of buzz behind. I tell people it's the wind that goes in our podcasting sales. So mm-hmm. um please go over and do that. I've already done it. By thank the way, you. So. Yes.
1: Oh, and I appreciate that. And, and same with you. Like, you know, if you liked this episode, please, please like subscribe and definitely review the upgraded life because, you know, we really appreciate it. And like you said, it does, it is very important overall in that. our podcasting journeys.
0: All right, Michelle, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. And this was a great interview. appreciate you so much.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. This was really fun. I, like I said, I love your podcast concept and you're great. And I was really happy to be on. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Perfect. Take care. What a great discussion I had with Michelle Miller, podcast host of mentors on the mic. Do us both a favor, go over to our podcast pages, show us some love. Go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, subscribe to our podcast. As you know from listening to this show, this is my reminder. This is what provides energy, provides win to a podcaster sales. Go over there and let us know if you got value from this particular episode. It means the world to us as we are starting out as podcasters. Michelle is fairly new to the podcasting world. You know, I've got over 30 episodes up now. I'll pat myself on the back. It's been a journey thus far, and I'm excited to see what else is going to come ahead in this journey down the life of a podcaster. I want to bring you back to her take on mindset, and she really was putting her spin on the concept of growth mindset, and it's a powerful thing that people can learn is no matter what happens, even if you want to call it a failure, it's still an opportunity to learn from In the personal development world, you'll see this talked about and debated all the time. What is failure? How do you define failure? Well, I'm going to give you my definition of failure. It's quitting, right? We're always going to get setbacks. We're always going to have things that don't go our way. But if we're clear on our mission and we're clear on what we're supposed to be doing every single day, the setbacks and the failures are are understood to be part of the process. So for me, true failure is when you decide to quit. Now, you might course correct. You might go a different direction. That's okay. I don't call that failure. I call that taking in the information that you have going right now and deciding, hey, maybe a different direction is called for here. But again, if it's still part of your mission and you're that you're clear on, that's not failure that's a course correction or that's a pivot and that's all part of keeping a growth mindset just like michelle miller brought to us in this discussion hey as always to get the details on this show and to find out more about this guest head over to my website my website is www.nicksotello.com forward slash t-u-l podcast the upgraded life podcast While you're over at my website, don't forget to check out the three opportunity buttons at the very top. They are scheduling a time with me. I'll give you a free 30-minute strategy session. Checking out CBD products from Nature's Ultra. And then also, if you're looking to create an additional stream of income, I can help you out with that too. This takes 20 minutes of your time. Click on the button that says Income Boost. Give me your name and email, and I'll send you a presentation. Thank you again so much for listening to my show, The Upgraded Life Podcast. I'm dedicated to this show because I've seen too many people live a life that just really wasn't about realizing and reaching their potential. So if you listen to this show and you were somehow, some way inspired to take action, let me know by going over to Apple Podcasts, leave me a five-star review, and that will tell me that you enjoyed the show. This is Dr. Nick Sotelo, and I'm urging you to do something today to realize and reach your potential, and I'll catch you on the next show.